My heart is to see our church be helped from the Word of God. Two verses. I started on this thought last Sunday. The thought is transformed. There's this word transformed in our verses that we're going to read. It comes from the Greek word where we get our word metamorphosis. To be changed from one thing to another. Would you agree with me this morning God's in the transforming business? Oh yeah. The Lord is able to take a dirty old rotten sinner, transform them. Make them into something brand new. Let's read the verses. I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service and be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, I bow in your presence this morning asking for your help. Lord, if, uh, if I could preach, it wouldn't do no good. Lord, unless you come back, congregation this size, Lord, there's people that need you to do a transformation in their life. God, folks that are headed in the wrong direction that need to turn around. Lord, people that are involved in things they hadn't ought to be involved in that need to get out of it. I could go talk to them, Lord, and I've thought about it but it probably wouldn't do no good. But if the Holy Spirit would speak to their hearts today, if you'd go to their pew this morning and make the message real personal, then changes could be made. You could transform them. I'm asking, Lord, would you do that? I pray, Lord, that you'd go up this left-hand side, up and down the aisles, I'm praying that you go right here in the middle, up and down the aisles on this right-hand side, up and down the aisles. I'm praying, Lord, that you would stop at the hearts of the people that need it and that you'd take our feeble words and what we would try to say and that you'd apply them to their lives. God, make this a service that they would never forget. We'll thank you and praise you for all that you do, for it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Through his blood we pray. Amen and amen. I laid a little groundwork last week. I said a lot of times we're sick of ourselves. A lot of you are sick of yourself. You try and do better and try and try and try, but it seems like a lot of times we take two steps forward and four steps back And a lot of times you just feel like throwing up your hands and saying, I just can't do it, I quit. The problem is that we're trying to do it. Instead of allowing the Lord to do it in us, we try it ourselves. 
last week, and I don't know how many weeks I'm going to preach on this thought of transformed. I guess until I see some transformations. <laughs> last week I pointed out on the conversion of transformation. The Bible said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, you can't ever have God transform you until you've first been to the foot of the cross and been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of people getting the cart before the horse. They're trying 12-step programs. Uh, they're trying something they've watched on TV. They're trying something they've read in the book. And they never can do any better because they never have been blood washed. But if you've been blood washed, then suddenly God can make a difference in your life. And so we talked a little bit about that word brethren. And we talked a little bit about the, uh, the necessity of conversion if you're going to... Uh, if you're going to be changed. This morning I want us to think about uh, the section there where the Bible said that by the mercies of God, and I'm going to deal with that in just a minute, but before I deal with it, can I say to you this morning that God put me in a front row seat this week of the transformation power of the gospel. Look at these front rows, they're filled up, these kids are energized. I saw Brother Neil with my own eyes what can happen in teenagers' lives when you take their phones away from them and fill them up with God. You allow, you, allow, you allow them to get preaching two or three times a day and singing nonstop and take them cell phones away and what it translates into is two rows, three rows uh, full of young people that are energized and interested uh, and ready to do something for God uh, and the same God uh, that is able to transform them this week is the same God that can do something uh, in the middle-aged person's heart uh, and in the older person's heart uh, and in all the youth's heart. Uh, that's the same God that can transform everybody in this building. I watched it. I saw it happen. Prior to camp starting, several of the teenagers tried to back out on going to camp. Too many rules. I had people that I talked to and I said, listen, just come to camp. It might be life-changing. The first day of camp, uh, uh, Susan worked it like a, a parole officer taking up cell phones. Uh, them kids walked in church, or at, their faces droopy, their eyes was angry. They thought, boy, what have I got myself into? I, but you know what I told you last, uh, what was that, three weeks ago? I, there's a distraction, there's a distraction in society that if we want to get along with God, uh, we're going to have to make a conscious, conscious effort to get rid of the distractions. Uh, I believe it's why we don't see any power of God in our, in our, in our age. Uh, it's because we're distracted by media and we're distracted by all the things going on in the world and we got to get rid of the distractions and get interested in God and then and only then can God do a transforming work in our lives. God is a transforming God and he wants to make a better parent out of you. He wants to make a better grandparent out of you. He wants to make a better Sunday school teacher out of you. He wants to make a better dad out of you, a better mom, a better brother, a better sister. God wants to do a work in your heart. Hey, listen to me this morning. 
Some of you have walked in here, boy, I'm just getting ready to preach. You better, hey, you better buckle down. Uh, because here it comes. Uh, some of you have walked in here for weeks with hurt feelings. Uh, you've got your feelings on the sleeve, not heard anything from God. Uh, that ain't nobody's fault but yours. Uh, that's exactly right. Uh, God's still on the throne. The Bible's still real. Uh, don't make me call names. I'm telling you, the Bible's still real and God's still a somebody serve man. And if you want God to work in your life, he can. If you want God to do a work in your heart, he can. But there is a transformative power of the Spirit and that is what the church needs. You say this, church don't need a bunch of programs. Church don't need a bunch of fancy things. I tell you what the church needs. The church needs the power of the Holy Spirit of God working ahead, man, working in some hearts. Hey, I may not know much, Kevin, but I know when I've got an in line from heaven. Hey, man, I've been along with God. I know when God's been speaking. I ain't as dumb as you think I am. Hey, man, I'm gonna tell you this morning what we need is God to move. There's a lot of things I'd like to move move on. There's a lot of things I'd like to say and do. Hey man, and it ain't cause I'm afraid to do it. Hey, you know me. I'm I'm too stupid to scare easy. Hey man, it's not cause I'm afraid to say it. But what it won't do any good if I say it. I can can meddle and talk and do until I'm blue in the face. And the next week, Brother Neil, we're right back in the same mess we were in to begin with. But if the good God of heaven will speak to our hearts, if the good God of heaven will talk to us then all of a sudden there's a difference there's a difference made some of you said well I ain't heard from heaven in a long long time whose fault is that let's just get right down where it's at whose fault is if you ain't heard from heaven you say, well, it's the preacher's fault. It's them people I don't like's fault. It's this fault. Let me tell you something. If you want to hear from heaven God, and you're saved, God wants to speak to you. And it's, and it's nobody's fault. Listen now. And when I don't hear from heaven and when I can't hear from God, that ain't nobody's fault but Bradley's. That's exactly, hey, that's exactly right. It ain't nobody's fault but Bradley's fault. Sometimes, Brother Neil, I get cold and indifferent on God. Get out of God's will. Get the, amen now, get the pooch mouth. Hey, hey, but what I need when I get in them situations is to get back under the spout where the glory comes out. Tell God I'm wrong. I tell God he's right, amen. And ask for God to speak to my heart again. And can I say this to you this morning? Ain't nothing like hearing from the good God of heaven. Ain't nothing like the glory bells down inside your soul. Ain't nothing like getting the cane hippies while riding down the road. When God makes himself real in your life, I'm going to tell you this morning, what we need is the transformation of the Spirit. Now, I want to submit to you today that you and I, you and I, can be transformed. But if we're to be made better and if we're to be used of God, it's going to be through and by His mercy. Look what, look what Paul said. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now I want you to notice this. Listen to me. I want you to note this. Romans chapter number 1 through chapter number 11, Paul lays out the the basics of the faith. All of them grand doctrines of the church you'll find in the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans. 
He lays out these great, uh, these great things. And then he says he uses the word therefore. <laughs> therefore. He lays out the foundation. He gives a skeleton. And what basically what he's going to say is now... Uh, I'm going to put some meat on the bones. I've told you what it is to be a Christian. Now I'm going to tell you how to apply that in your life. And that therefore at the beginning of chapter 12 points back to those great truths that were taught in the first 11 chapters about God being a God of mercy. Can I say to you this morning if you and I are going to be made anything, if you and I are going to be transformed, it's not going to be because we merited it. It's not going to be because we're good enough. It's not going to be because we're holy enough. But it'll be by the mercies of the Amen. The mercies of the Almighty. Oh yes, I thought about this morning the explanation of God's mercy. Aren't you glad this morning that God is a God of mercy? How many of you agree with me right here? All throughout my life God should have snuffed me out. Really this morning I ought to be dead and in hell. Amen. If I got what I deserve this morning, Brother Herod, I'd be bobbing up and down the lake of fire, screaming for a drink of water. But God in his mercy, amen, Brother Gary, he's a God of mercy. Do you know this? The prayer of mercy is the most all-prayed prayer in the Bible. People ask for mercy in the Bible more than they ask for anything else. And you know what? Now, I challenge you, you just look at it and see if I ain't right. I don't find a single place in the Bible where God ever asked anybody for mercy that God did, or when, where anybody ever asked God for mercy that God didn't give them mercy. You know why? Because he's a God of mercy. I said he's a God of mercy. I'm going to tell you this morning, friend, everybody in here was a sinner by birth and a sinner by choice. Everybody in here, thank God, I was on your way to hell. But God in his mercy. Now I want you to notice what Paul said here. Paul said, by the mercies of God. Did you see how Paul put it in the plural? He didn't say by the mercy of God. He didn't say I beseech you by the mercy of God. Oh no, he said I beseech you by the mercies of God. Did you know that in the Hebrew... Hey man, Miss Karen, there is not a, uh, the word for mercy in the Hebrew is always in the plural. There's not a word in Hebrew for one mercy. No, sir, it's always in the plural. I hear Paul is indicating that by putting this in the plural. I, you say, preacher, what are you trying to say? I, we don't have a God of one mercy. We don't have a God of some mercy. We don't even have a God of several mercies. We've got a God this morning of unending mercy. Amen. He woke, hey, I woke up this morning and God was still merciful to me, a sinner. Hey, as sorry as I am, as tough, boy, I'm about running shout. As terrible as I am, as sorry as I am, I'm going to tell you, I woke up this morning and God was still merciful. His mercy is new every morning. His grace is extended to me again and again and again and again. I'm glad that He is a God of mercy. Mercies. Said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. So we see there is an explanation of God's mercy. 
Then I want to talk about an examination of God's mercy. What in the world is Paul talking about? Well, he has spent 11 chapters telling people about how God is merciful. Follow me through the book of Romans, chapters 1 through 3. Paul lays out the case against mankind, and here's what he says. He says the Gentile is guilty, the Jew is guilty, and then he says the whole world is guilty. Romans chapter number 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So if you're breathing breath this morning, you're guilty. You're guilty, you're guilty, you're guilty. But you know what? He goes on, he don't stop there. In the next few chapters, Paul talks about the mercy of God. And he points out uh, that justification has, or that justification has been shown unto us uh, in chapters four through five. Uh, he shows us that we've got victory over our flesh uh, in chapter six. Uh, he shows us that we've won liberty from the law uh, in chapter seven. Uh, he shows us that we have security in the spirit uh, in chapter eight. Uh, in other 